Okay then folks, hello and welcome once again to the wardroom and to another one of our departmental interviews on the world of ship life. Today we are interviewing Alex Kappas. He is an art director, um, which I've had the pleasure of working with. And we're going to hear a little bit more about how some of the concessionaires and things get brought into being. And of course, um, as well as what it's like being an art director on board. Alex, how are you doing? You well? I'm good, thank you. I'm a bit hot. I feel like I'm melting today. Yes, I know. I've um, The best thing about this is because I've got to... I thought I was being clever by buying a reasonably nice microphone, but actually biting me in the arse because it picks up the fan. So as you can... Well, yeah, you can't see because this is a podcast. But this thing is off and, yeah, it's it's not it's not cool. <laughs> still... I mean, I'm, I'm glad that there's no video of this podcast because I look oh. horrific. I look like <laughs> I've run a marathon, which is something I would never do. No, but... exactly. <laughs> I imagine this is what this I would is, like. <laughs> Had you run a marathon? Had uh, I run? I, I have actually sacrificed quality over the ability to stay cool. So I've left my window open. So if at any point we hear dogs barking or cars going past, I'm okay with it because it's that bloody hot. So, well, <laughs> so, okay. but anyway, so. Today we are going to be discussing um, what it's like to be an art director on board ships and things. Um, so, Alex, I think start us off because obviously this, you're, you're, journey to joining joining us at sea how how does it work for an art director what do you have to do to for it to come up so, basically? well i mean uh, a good bit of art training is always good i mean uh, us as a concession on board works slightly differently because we have a, a land-based business within the united kingdom so mm. i've been running land-based galleries before i came to sea for about 11 years all right and um there was just you know that that old adage of what brings you to sea and it certainly was a bit of heartache that brought me to sea and i decided that you know it'd be good to try something a little bit new and i came to sea really really late uh, i was uh, 36 when oh, i came Christ. to sea i know hard to believe if you could see me on video <laughs> because i'm so young looking indeed but, with, <laughs> but um so because we are a land-based business but we happen to have galleries at sea we have nine galleries on varying ships and vessels uh, the transition was actually quite easy it was more of a case of saying well actually this is something that i'd really like to do and not mm. having the the ties at home made it easier for that transition uh but i did the uh the typical thing of saying, yep, yeah, I'll just do one contract and see how I do. I'll see how I do. Literally, Three years later, I interview, yep. everybody I interview says, <laughs> it was one contract. We were coming on for one contract. Yeah. And turns out, I kind of like seeing the world whilst being paid and meeting nice people. Um, yeah. Which is... <laughs> Absolutely. So after, obviously, as you said, you've been running art galleries and things for 11 years or so. Um, and... Were you a member whilst you were working for this company? Did they diversify into cruise ships while you were working for them? Or was this always an avenue of business when you joined? When I joined with this specific brand, they already had that. And they're pretty much the only British company that does that. There is an, another brand outside uh, in the United States that does something a little bit similar onto a, uh, a, a an other line that I'm not going to mm. mention. No, of course. Uh, <laughs> and they, they run it slightly differently. I think the one thing that we do very, very well is is we basically run it the same way that if a, a guest was on land and got to visit one of my beautiful galleries, the moment they walk into the gallery at sea, they get the same feeling and the same emotion and the same mm. contact. So that was really important for us to kind of just almost transition a land space to a sea space but not mm. really lose any of the aesthetic no that's obviously 
obviously the way forward, obviously you want to try and keep it as similar as you can because it's the product you know and it's the product mm. that your uh, your clientele are familiar with, sort of thing. So, um, as you said, you've worked at Sea for three years or so. Were you ever were you ever a guest or anything before you joined ships? Had you ever seen a ship or done anything like that? Was there any sort of connection there, or was it literally just I mean, a, spare no, at the a, moment, a very very long time ago? But I mean, like this is this is really kind of like splitting hairs to say that I was at sea before. So my father is ex navy, but uh, merchant navy. Mm. Um, so when I was very very young, we got to travel on these big merchant vessels oh. as a family, which was a wonderful thing to do. And I remember you know sailing around and seeing all these wonderful things. And then when I became of school age, then I became more more stuck within the UK. And I'd never sailed again up until I walked up the gangway for work. And that was an intimidating thing to do. It was indeed. Tell us a little bit about that day. So you, you, what was, how was your first day? Did you join as an art director? Because obviously, um, just to jump ahead to one of my other questions here, the, the team that you normally have, there's only the two of you, isn't there? There is, yes. Yeah. So you normally have an art director and an art consultant. Uh, because I'd been uh, in kind of like a land-based director role, it was easy to transition over. Mm. But there's still lots of things that, you know, you wouldn't know. So what we try to do as a business is we put you on a couple of sistering ships to kind of glean some aspects to, to what happens. So uh, one of my, well, my first ship from um, joining in Southampton was the beautiful... Mm. and I got to join the art team that was on there and there was one gentleman working there and I got to work with him for a little while and then while still having all my luggage because I didn't know what to bring I'm sorry I brought everything yeah um, as you do um, and so with that I then transitioned over to do a bit of time on yeah but I had to take all my stuff with me okay and there was no room for any uh, of any visitors. So I was placed on sea deck. And for those of you not familiar, that is right down yeah. at the bottom with no lift. <laughs> so there was me with all my bags trying to get down to sea deck. Um, yeah, and that was my that was my first impression. What I always remember on my first day is wandering around like a lost tourist mm. with maybe four bags trying to find my way around. When you're having your first day, it's always a daunting experience. But I can imagine, sort of, as a concessionaire, and anyone who who's done the concessionaire role before can testify this. There is there is a bit of a divide there, sort of thing. Obviously, there's the, the company people and there's the concessionaires, which we'll explain a little bit more about later. Um, did you, as your first day, did you think that there was, did you feel any of that sort of divide, or were you able to find your way to your areas, or? How, how was it for you? I mean, I, I was really lucky. Um, and, and what we try to do as a business is whoever is representing us on the ship already will come and meet us and walk us around mm. and show us certain things. And that's a really nice thing to do. I was made very, very aware um, about, you know, when you're coming to sea for the first time and you are already in contact with someone who's already doing that role, I think there is already a preconception of divide because what's already been fed to you, not necessarily by people you work with, but any kind of level of contact mm. that you have someone saying, oh, it's going to be this and it's going to be this. or, And it's it's hard because you walk on board and you think, actually, I don't know anybody. Mm. Like you're walking into this and you're not walking onto, you're not walking into a new place of work. You're walking into a new community. You're walking <laughs> into somewhere that you, you live, you work, you socialize, yeah. you, know, you might romantically linked luckily down the line all of these things become embedded in you know your little bubble of society so yeah. it's not just walking into a new office one day and going okay well i'll see you tomorrow morning at nine <laughs> o'clock you're you're there yeah and it, it is you know no no pun intended it is very sink or swim you either commit to 
being open to this experience or you uh, you do yeah. your first contract and then you go home. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the social, everything you do is, there is so much to do and to take in on the first couple of days. Like, and not just the stuff that you've got to learn about where your bits are, where your place of work is, um, all of the safety information. Again, if we touched upon a lot of the safety information on the first podcast, the first day at sea, so I'm not going to go into too much about that. But there is so much information to take in. But it's also the overwhelming experience of getting to know all of these people as well. Because a lot of people, I mean, everyone will sort of, if you say hello to anybody on the, on the ships, they say hello back to you. They will, in, they will actively sort of talk to you and trying to remember everyone's name and because everyone's in such a tight uh, it's it's a lot of fun but it can it be construed as a bit of work <laughs> it is but i mean like that's a beautiful habit that you end up taking back off the ship as well mm. like i thought i was friendly before yeah <laughs> <laughs> and now i could be wandering around at asda and if i see some lady who is lost yeah. i'm like oh can i help you find the cheese i don't know where it is <laughs> i've just turned into this you know really happy version of myself and it's all attributed to that environment so it, it really yeah, is that, that. It's, we're quite happy to in, intrude into anybody's business or life if we think we can help it's just been brought in it's just drilled Absolutely. into us and we really Absolutely. really do um okay so just before uh one more thing before we go into actually just want to talk about your day today a little bit as well but did you have any sort of cruise ship specific training before you came on board i mean so obviously so let's just say uh, you've got a certain portfolio of artists coming on board obviously you've had over a decade of experience before you started doing this um so your product knowledge from there i suppose was was sorted out but was there anything about that portfolio that you were bringing on that you had to le learn more intensely i mean as there's only I two mean, of you the, yeah i mean the, the big the biggest difference in what i do on board as opposed to what i do on land is that i get to lecture to our guests on a daily basis mm. um, and that not only takes your product knowledge up but that just puts you or into an entertainment role as well so yeah. you're not just um a concessionaire trying to double up or, or make a revenue target what you're actually doing is becoming a, a source of entertainment and pleasure as well and that's a, that's a very very different thing to, to what we do on land so for me to to come on board there was um, some certainly some training into that and you know I, I you've come to a couple of my lectures we've done things yeah. together on board and if i say to you that there is no way before i came on board that i would have stood up in front of a room of 50 people and been confident and now you just can't get me to shut up that's I can't, the difference i can't imagine <laughs> you having that trouble <laughs> i don't and now i mean that are. i mean that as a compliment i don't mean that as a shutting you up's difficult i genuinely mean it as a compliment <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that you could i couldn't actually imagine you having trouble with that because it is just but as you say we're, we're always anyone in the customer service role i mean yes i mean i am currently in the ents department or whatever it is but a lot of the confidence that I have in doing the ENTS work is coming from a customer service background and, and working on a ship you are in a customer service background and you are always on stage and you're always interacting with people and that's where a lot of that confidence comes from and, and yourself is, is proof in the pudding really. Well, yeah, um, I mean because I think everybody who comes to sea has to have a big personality and even if you didn't realise how big your personality was beforehand working at sea is like pouring petrol on a fire to it like you <laughs> if you have it inside of you all of a sudden it's going to burst out because partly you feel you've got to stand out in, in all of these people yeah because you're, you're not in a group of 10 or 20 you're in an entire family of everybody working on board of thousands 
and you you know you want to be known but then also it just lifts everything about you to be such an integral part of something which is something i think if you don't work at sea i think you'll miss out on i think um you become embedded not just as as a worker but as a concession manager as well um we're involved in certain safety level bits and pieces to do and we've got our own tasks to do that are relevant for the ship not what i do on my day-to-day for the art gallery and that again it just encourages these wonderful working relationships that you build on board mm. i mean as kat pointed out um before she is a quite an archaic um regime i mean but every there is this this hierarchy that you can't really describe it on, on land because at sea the competition for these roles is so high so everyone that works there are the best at their jobs i mean they're excellent at their jobs mm. so you have this hierarchy so from um from top from top to bottom sort of thing you tend to find that the efficiency tends to work quite nicely obviously you don't always have there aren't always great managers and but then that's the thing there's great workers don't necessarily become great managers but some do it's how it works it's just the system but getting things done in that situation is just it's phenomenal it really is and how easy things work like uh, and the command can come down from the hotel manager or something that he wants this to happen and all of a sudden 10 people all from different departments have all linked together and got it done in the space of like 12 hours it's phenomenal isn't it because that 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 sense of being able to rely on the person next to you, even if you yes. don't work with them every day in and day out, but knowing that they have your back and you have theirs, mm. there's there's nothing like it. I've never worked anywhere else on the planet. I've worked in other countries. I've, you know, I was traveling around and doing bits and pieces way before I worked for C. And, and I feel like I've, I've met different people in all these different arenas, but nothing has compared to what I've done at C. The just the the level of a family unit that you make with the people you come into contact with on a day-to-day basis mm. is irreplaceable it really is unbelievable it really is it is like a drug you really keep wanting to come back for more for it it's amazing <laughs> it <really Great>. is. <clears throat> right okay so that's that's a lot of the first day so so let's let's now delve into what um what an art director actually does so we're going to be looking at basically just the day-to-day running of your thing so i've got a couple of questions here that we'll ask so um so obviously, how much actual artwork do you have on board, um, and do the guests take it home with them? So I'm I'm very very lucky on the ship that I work in. My gallery is actually quite large, and as a business, we represent over 200 artists, as well as a collection of 20th century artists that have now passed on. So uh, Picasso, Salvador Dali, uh, Miro, uh, Warhol, these wonderful wonderful works. And so what we try to do is encourage people to learn what they feel about art and in that what i mean by that is you know what someone chooses to put on their wall is such a reflection of them so what i have to do is showcase as much as possible for someone to be able to reflect something about themselves Hmm. so i will rehang that gallery space every day every day there is something new because i lecture every day so i try and coincide both of those things um, we do say to a lot of our guests that they don't have to take the pieces home with them, part mostly because you might not have that luggage space. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, I don't want you to stop buying anything else. I was like, I'll deliver it for you. It's fine. Mm. Uh, but we do we do international delivery. So even for our clients that are outside of the European Union, they get to acquire their pieces without tax on them. And so all of these things. And then we just ship internationally because it's such a pleasurable thing. And art is an extravagance that you really can't do anything else with. All you can do 
is love it. You can't wear it. You can't eat it. You can't drive it. You can't live in it. All you can do is enjoy it. Yeah. So we want to make that experience as enjoyable as possible. And that's kind of what my role is, is to yeah. make this a bit of theatre in exactly. the art. <laughs> so, you, so, so do you have, um, so obviously, as you said, the guests can then obviously get the artwork and stuff and have it sent, sent to their homes and stuff. And obviously yeah. you don't have everything on board. They can obviously mm -hmm. have other stuff from, from Shoreside. So does that mean that you sell quite a lot of prints or are these mainly originals? So I like to keep uh, original work on in the gallery space as much as I can. And, and most of our artists will go into limited edition print work. Um, and ultimately, it's, it's about what someone connects to. I would always champion original work because it's been created by somebody. And what you're looking at when you look at original art is successes and failures and triumphs and maybe someone's emotive state at that point and it's all poured into that one thing yeah and it's not going to be repeated it's the only time it's going to happen that way yeah and so i've always championed original work but conversely you can come in and just fall in love with a picture yeah and it doesn't matter whether it's a print it doesn't matter whether it's original not everybody wants to put five figures into their art and that's absolutely fine. It's about finding what you respond to. Yeah, I mean, there was there was one artist that when I was when I was first at sea, sort of again like fourteen years ago, um, <laughs> is, <laughs> there was it, and he's not overly sort of classical. It's Goddard. I don't know if you remember, like mm -hmm. I lo I don't know why I just found his work interesting. I like it's um, for those of you that don't know. Essentially, it's olives that have been made to, into human rolls and different things like that. basically fruit garnish <laughs> for drinks is essentially what he used to do and turn them into sort of fun little little pieces quite a modern sort of style of artwork sort of thing and, and he had he sold a lot of prints as well it was one of those things where i saw he had a few originals but his his print work did incredibly well as well actually if i remember correctly just because it wasn't because it was quite uh, i don't know the desire to have an original of that wasn't as strong because it was quite quirky stuff. So it was more just the picture, not all of those things. But ultimately, so. I mean, a lot of people acquire artwork at sea because people always ask me if they don't, if they've never been on a vessel or they've never really spent a lot of time in an art gallery, they go, oh, I always get the same question. Oh, do people actually buy art at sea? Oh, and absolutely, they really do because it's something tangible that you can connect a memory to. Yeah. So for example, if you're having this absolutely exceptional voyage and this piece speaks to you, every time you look at this piece on your own wall, it's going to remind you of this wonderful time you've had. Mm. And that's the connection. You know, the nice thing about having a gallery at sea and, and working at sea is that when I run a gallery on land, I maybe get to spend an hour with somebody mm. if they want to do it. But most, more often than not, half an hour to an hour. But when we're on a vessel together, <laughs> I can spend days with them. They can yeah. come back. They can enjoy it. They get to learn more. And by the end of it, it's, it's not about selling because I, I firmly believe that you cannot sell art. You can't make somebody like something they don't like. It doesn't matter. You know, if, if they stood in front of something and they went, I hate it. And then I go on and on and on about how wonderful it is, what an investment it is, all of this. It doesn't change your mind. You no, still don't like all. it. No. So my role is to introduce you to stuff that you want because you want it. And if you want it, have it. And if you don't, you don't. No, exactly. Um, so just out of, uh, just to let our sort of listeners know, what's the sort of price range of a lot of the artwork you have? I know you have sort of, as you said, from, let's just say a print sort of thing. So if somebody wanted to just get something from from you, from the art gallery as a memento, they're not 
the originality isn't so much a thing, but what's the, like, the cheapest thing that they could possibly get? Sort of thing? The, the cheapest. Do you just, mean the most, most cost-effective? The most cost-effective. Cheapest out there. Exactly. Um, <laughs> obviously, I'm, I, I'm not trying to belittle any of the work there at all. I'm just sort of like, this isn't, this is a fine gallery. This is an actual gallery. This isn't just I, a place I will where... pull you back from that precipice, Michael. <laughs> Thank you very worry. much. You're welcome. You're welcome. No, <laughs> Like I, like I was saying, it's, it's about finding the right thing for you, not the amount that you spend on it. So um, for a limited edition print, you're probably going to start entering the market around 200, 250 pounds. Okay. And you can pop out for a hand-signed limited edition artwork. Up, if not from 20th century, you're looking at about 3,000 pounds. Original work, surprisingly, starts around the same place. You oh. can pick up original artwork for around 250 pounds. And then that tops up into the hundreds of thousands, depending on what you want me to find for you. But there is this misconception that, oh, if I want an original piece, I'm going to have to drop four or five figures. And it's it's not the case. There are so many talented people out there and mm. um, that are their grassroots, they're starting their journey, they're emerging. And we are lucky to represent a huge body of emerging artists. I think last year we picked up um, 20 to 25 new artists to just introduce to the art market. It's a wonderful thing to do to watch those people grow. Exactly. I mean, I mean, also, as as we know, um, a lot of, as you mentioned, you are essentially part of um, the entertainment provider on board, which is as um, justified by the fact that you're in the daily programme for all of your art lectures and things. And as you mentioned, you had 25 new artists. And those artists are actually welcome to come on board the ship and do their own lectures as well. Isn't that correct? They are, they are. And God bless you for thinking I'm entertaining as well. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. No, um, so we have, we have artists that uh, we've got uh, one artist that's an artist in residence, which is wonderful. They'll sail on, on multiple vessels because that's what they're there to do. And they'll do that annually. Depending on where you're sailing in the world and at what time of year, it will depend on who's available to come because these, these wonderful artists that we represent, they don't just tour with us at sea, they tour on land and they tour internationally as well. So mm. certain artists, so someone like uh, Fabian Perez, for example, when he tours the United Kingdom, when we fly him over from LA, he visits 14 galleries in 12 days. Crikey. He's, he's, that, he's got that much of a, a, a demand to be seen. So when we take an artist out of their gallery space and put them on a vessel, it's wonderful for the people on board, yeah. but we're taking them away for everything else. So they tend to only be on board for about three to five days themselves, but it's such a wonderful experience because they tend to paint live. Mm. And for a lot of guests, even if they're not that interested in art, the opportunity to see someone create something beautiful before their very eyes is really exciting. Mm. And we love to be able to do that on board. Is, um, is there any um, lecturer in in particular that you've interviewed or had on board that really stands out, that not just draws a crowd, but really connects with the crowd as well? I mean, my, my personal favorite was a, was an artist called Mackenzie Thorpe. And I'd, I'd known Mackenzie for years because we'd worked in, in different galleries and, and and I've been familiar with his work and I'm a collector of his work as well. And we had the opportunity to bring his premier event at sea. He'd never been at sea before. Right. And he's, he's a phenomenal artist painting for 30 years, internationally recognized, wonderful, wonderful work. And does absolutely wonderful things for charity as well. And we had the opportunity to bring him on board for five days. We were sailing to New York. And this is a gentleman who had never sailed before. <laughs> and he brought his son with him and I I've met his son before. And the funniest thing, when I was bringing them on board, the first thing he said to me was, it looks like a floating prison. And I, was, 
it's not quite that bad. But I mean, <laughs> and I thought, oh my goodness, you haven't even stepped on board yet. Yeah, a, but you've nailed it. Well done. Come on <laughs> in. Well done. Um, I was like, oh my goodness, I see if I can get him upgraded. Uh, he, you know, by the end of the first day, once he saw what we see every day. And, and being able to see what goes on behind the scenes as well, I think is so important for our yeah. guests when they come on board, our guest lecturers. He's just became immersed in it. And he did this most wonderful lecture in the uh, in theater. And people were in tears because he's just so genuine. He's yeah. one of the most open book people I've ever met. And he, he would sit down, have a conversation with anybody and just be so honest. And that then transitions into his work. When I had a group of people watch him paint live for 45 minutes, the room was silent. Like nobody interrupted. It was wonderful. And he has been by far my favorite. And if any of my other artists that have visited me are listening to this podcast, <laughs> I loved you too. But I was our favorite. Exactly. That's, that's fair enough. <laughs> I, I will take the heat for that one. I do apologize. If there's Thank any you. artists out there that are taking exception to Alex picking a winner then that's <laughs> you can blame me for that that's not a problem at all but we're not, we are um um obviously the the, the company that, that uh, we work for sort of thing they do tend to have an, an older clientele sort of thing so um, a lot of them really we need to have a good in um lecture program basically a really good lecture program mm. and whenever you get a decent lecturer or someone that really captivates the audience like a, like a world-class artist is nothing as you said, the the tension that it can create in the room just by people being silent and listening or watching something is, it is really special. You know, we don't. Oh, absolutely. It's absolutely. What I mean, I face that every day when I lecture as well. Exactly. You know, <laughs> room full of silent people. It's just um, <laughs> obviously that's due to the location of your lecture room, which well. is never, <laughs> never interrupted at all. And as we're not saying never where it is, we can tell you that it's not. not it's not a convenient location to say the least. Um, it's. Um, I, I occasionally get interrupted <laughs> when I'm entertaining fives of tens of people. Yeah. <laughs> but it is, uh, yes, but no, it's, um, but no, it's very interesting to have these, these famous people, some famous artists and things come on board. It's wonderful mm. stuff. Um, so how long, how long is your contract normally? Um, so we all do contracts and things at sea. Um, what, are, what? Okay, start up. Let me reword that. What are you supposed to do? <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Our contracts work slightly different because um, for anybody who's ever interested in, in coming to see an, as working as a concession, the concessions do work at slightly separate contracts as what you will find uh, for the brands directly. And therefore the rules can be a little bit transient. So for example, I work for a British business. I'm paid within the United Kingdom for all of those things. So um, I then have to work to English trade law. So I don't have to have months and months off at a period of time together. I, as long as I'm happy to do it, I can have longer contracts. So my normal contract for me as a choice tends to be between eight to 10 months. Crikey. I mean, that, that is a long, <laughs> that is a is. long time. I mean, considering just, just to put that into perspective for those of you that aren't familiar with people working at sea, a, a typical contract is between four and six months. Six months is viewed to be the long. And however, there are the uh, the Filipino crew, and they obviously tend to do a more nine month contract. And then there's art director that takes and in all the way up to ten, <laughs> up to ten no, months. I, I, and again, I wouldn't I wouldn't do it if I didn't love it. And I and I genuinely no, love it. Not. I mean, the, 
but you know i mean there, there is this whole idea i think of uh, especially for concessions that they um seem to have an easier life on board and i'm going to, to take this opportunity to dispel that i don't because... think so that's, <laughs> that's unjustified if people are thinking that way not at all i mean no, because I you're mean... in charge of yourself you might not have the necessarily the entire like the food and beverage team they have got about 15 from, from assistant waiter until the hotel manager yeah there's about <laughs> a good 15 20 people in positions above them and that can feel constricting just because you don't have that constriction it doesn't necessarily mean that you've got an easier life at all i don't feel no, no i mean I, I i probably clock up about a good 70 70 to 80 hours a week normally yeah. uh with um stock changes and everything like that but i genuinely love it yeah like there's nothing i would rather be doing so it doesn't feel like a chore when i do it no. and there's these you know even even the bits and pieces that we have to do that are ship specific the 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 drills that we have to do or um the you know the assisting that we'll do with uh with visas and bits and pieces we want to do that because we are part of that team exactly there's, there's never any animosity towards it there's never any negativity towards it because it's our home it's hmm. what we do i mean and i yeah so sorry, no, carry on. On. no carry on carry on I was going to say, I personally quite like having a less than five minute commute to my work. <laughs> I quite enjoy that. As someone who's commuted a lot during my life, yeah. getting up and being able to walk into my work, which takes about five minutes if I stop for a coffee, yeah. is a wonderful thing to do. And I mean, yeah. I was going to say, I, there are some I, of the things that we end up complaining about. Like, if you listen to them, or the best thing for me is like we could all be complaining about having a boat drill um, in, in Barbados or something like that. There is no way you can construe that problem to somebody on land and them taking your side. It no. is physically <laughs> impossible. <laughs> if you just go, what was wrong? No. You know what? I, I missed out on a whole hour at the boatyard because I had to have this drill. And they go, excuse me? Have a little sense of what your actual problems are. I'm sorry, like, yeah. they're currently still stuck in England in the, in the wet and the rain I, and God I, knows what else. And there, you're there complaining always... about that extra title. It was very hot during boat drill in Barbados. Yes, it was. <laughs> you were in Barbados, you lucky... <laughs> but, you caught yourself there, well done. Is, yes, I did very well. There's so many swear words I avoided. But, it is, but that is the thing, though. There are things that we do take for granted. And those those little duties, you do have to sort of just, you know... Yeah, they're, they're part of everyday through. life. And I think, you know, I always remember that there's always that one moment, I think, for anybody who comes to see. And then you get really caught up in the lifestyle. And then you either go home or you have a conversation with someone who doesn't work at sea. Yeah. And there is that pin, that pivotal moment for one conversation where you realise, oh, my God, my life's amazing. Yeah. And I didn't really appreciate it. No. And for me, I always remember it because I was in a supermarket. And I do realise this will be my third story that revolves around a supermarket. I do go shopping a lot. I was going to say. <laughs> this was a different, non-branded supermarket. Um, and I'm not telling you what I was buying, but no. uh, the young lady, again, from working at sea, I just chat to everybody, very friendly. And I just happened to say what I did. And she said, oh, do you get to travel anywhere? Really exciting. And I said, well, you know, normally I get to do a transatlantic, which is wonderful because I'm in New York every two weeks. And she just sighed and she went, oh, I've always wanted to go to New York. 
And it just <laughs> resonated with me that, oh yeah. my goodness, I am there every two weeks. Yeah. And what do you, we do it when we go there? We go to Target or we get a pizza delivered from Mark's. It's one of oh, the... Mark's Pizza. <laughs> Can Mark's I pizza. tell you, right? Mark's Pizza. I would do a shout out for Mark's Pizza. I've already uh, been online to make sure that they're still in business. Have you? I've already really? yeah. <laughs> I Googled them, made sure they were still open, doing all right. Yeah. I love the fact that Mark's Pizza has had a more energetic response than your favourite artist. <laughs> You can edit that out. I can edit that. Um. That's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, but again, for anyone that has uh, had the pleasure of going to New York or goes to New York re uh, regularly, sort of thing, obviously, because we're there every two weeks, we do sort of, to say the least, we don't go into Manhattan every time or whatever. Is a lot of the time we just normally go into Brooklyn, do a little bit of shopping, mm. sort of. And to be fair, I, I absolutely love going into Brooklyn. I like going to Red Hook Terminal. I like sort of just going in that area. It's just really, really nice. I just quite like it. And it, it does sound like we don't do the most with our time when we're there, sort of thing. But um, we'll be there again soon, so it's fine. We'll do it next yeah, time. Yeah, two weeks. Um, we'll yeah. get it next time. <laughs> so that, that, I suppose that's so. Uh, cracking segue and to ask you what is the favorite your favorite place you've visited so obviously i know that you've done at least two world voyages if not most of a third um <laughs> two and a half, yeah. <laughs> two and a half. <laughs> um so lucky enough i think i've done about three and a half now so yeah so what would you say is your Not favorite? Let me have anything can you mike really? no 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 I, I refuse uh so what would you say <laughs> What would you say is your favourite place to visit? I mean, we we get to visit some amazing places. I mean, some wonders of the world. We've seen so, so much. But what is a place or... Let's start off with a place you'd live in. A place that you could you would emigrate to. Let's start Singapore, off there. without a doubt. Really? Singapore, without a doubt. Everyone just... says New Zealand and Australia, but Singapore? No, and I think because... Uh, Australia, for example, I had visited a couple of times on my own before I sailed. Yeah. And so um, I, I've, I've enjoyed experiencing it for a longer period of time. But that didn't really appeal to for me to want to emigrate there. But when I went to Singapore, I, my mind was blown. Mm. And it just, partly I think maybe because I'm a, a little bit older as well, and, and just the, the cultural side of it really appealed to me the cleanliness really appealed yeah. to me. <laughs> I was like, there's no gum. I love it. Um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I, no, it's, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful place, but that, that was the reason why you wanted to move there. It was just something you fell in love with. Yeah, I mean, there's other places I've been to. Like Iceland, for example, I think is exquisite. I absolutely love Iceland. But again, these are places that I tend to go um, even when I'm on leave. Mm. Um, but as far as, as emigrating, I think, again, being a little bit older, I it's not as an easier choice. I think no. when I get asked that question, my head just goes to the logistics. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> when I was 20, I'd be like, where do you want to live? I'd be Hawaii. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Because now I just think, well, the logistics of getting a US visa. Exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you, th you think you choose somewhere that's doable, isn't it? It's not like you yeah. choose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so how about the favourite place that you visited that sort of stuck in your mind? Sort of a, not necessarily a place, but a location maybe or, or any of the other tours you might have, might have done? Oh, I, I, when I got to see, uh, I went to a tour and did the, the Great Wall of China. Mm. And that that's really is the bucket list things to do. And yeah. is it really something that I ever thought maybe three or four years ago that I'd end up doing? Absolutely not. And you, do, you sit there and you think, oh, I might go here or oh, I'd love to see this. But having 
that tangible opportunity to go yeah. and go with people you genuinely <laughs> care about yeah, and have exactly, a wonderful yeah. time with. You know, um, I, I was looking back the other day and, and looking back at some things I've collected and I was just emptying suitcases and just couldn't stop smiling at just all these even little <laughs> trinkets that I've bought. The crap was, you buy when you're out there. Oh my God, my house is full of crap. It is. Um, <laughs> but it's 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 memory and, yeah. I, and I absolutely love it. I, 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 don't, I buy these things and I think they've got no physical use whatsoever rather than to make me happy. Yeah. And that's why I get them. I mean, Petra for me was one. I loved Petra. That was a wonderful mm. place. That was... That was just my. I have. I want to spend a full day there though, and actually walk the entire thing, and not have the rush of waiting for a bus or something. That's something I would love to actually do properly and actually really have a look around. But that was definitely one for me that I really, really enjoyed. Um, let's go back to the art role again, just for, just for a little bit. So, um, obviously, methods of selling art. There used to be, um, obviously, the dodgy dealings in the world of the auctioneer. That is no longer something that. Um, that I wouldn't that know anything about that. <laughs> um. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to put my diplomatic hat on. Yes, please do. And I'm going to tilt it slightly to the side. Yes. And (laughs) (laughs) thank you. Um, There are many, many ways to acquire the things you love. And that can be going to do it yourself. That can be having someone teach you about it. And that can be finding things at auction. Uh, Auctions are a very, very interesting place to be and they are a lot of fun but they tend to be more fun if you're not the person bidding they tend to be more fun if yeah. you're the person i mean you could get really built up yeah. and you know and i would never, i would never take anything away from from the auctioning side of the business because it's, it's a credible way to do things but it's just very different than how we do it and i mean you know for example we've done charity auctions together yeah and, and the i was going to mention lifts. the kids one which we'll talk about that in a, in a minute but carry we'll, on we'll go back to, we'll go back to that one yeah that was amazing uh, but it's 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 an interesting way to do it. Would me personally, as a collector, collect my own work that way? Probably not. I like to know a little bit more about the thing that's in front of me. I don't want to know what it's going to be worth in two years. I want to know about the person that created it. I want to know about why they were doing what they were doing. I want to know, you know, do they deserve the stature that they have? And I think those are things that you can only learn in a conversation, not really a room full of, of people waving yeah. paddles around. No. But, you know, I've, I've seen, uh, you know, I've been parts of auctions, like we said, and we'll delve into that in another way. But I think there's a very fun and frivolous side to that side of the business. Yeah. And there is a place for it. But is that something we do? We don't. I, I think as... As I've heard you mention to, to the guests as well, you, you say this to them, obviously, there is the opportunity when you auction stuff, there's always the chance that you'll end up overpaying. And a lot of the time it is actually to protect the guests as well themselves, because they'll t- to take it home and realize that they've overpaid by this, that and the other. And it's not particularly. So if you're doing it in a charity event, for example, which brings me around to my next point, when you're doing it for a charity, people don't mind overpaying for stuff like that because that's the whole point there is a there is another reason behind the artwork yeah. itself as opposed to just having well, the um, the art on it i mean like, that's that's the thing with an auction like you know if you're the only person that wants it you could end up with an amazing deal absolutely if you are the one person in the room that understands the wonderful thing that you're looking at and nobody else gets it and you want it and you get a bargain amazing well yeah. done champion that 
However, all it takes is one other person in that room to want it more than you. Yeah. And then you keep going and going and going, and you can find yourself overpaying. So, you know, anytime you find yourself in an auction environment, ladies and gentlemen, please make sure you have worked out what your ceiling is before you go, because yeah. it is very easy to get carried away. Yes. <laughs> uh, one of the things, when, we, when, when they did used to do auctions on board, one of my favorite ones, I can't remember the style of auction that it is, but... Oh, it had a country's name attached to it but basically he said he started off with a high number and then came down and the first person to bid then won it so he'd start off with and he'd come lower and lower and lower and lower and lower until the first person went so you can see everyone there looking at each other not knowing whether or not they were supposed to bid or not it was it was quite a cool little thing it sounds like a really good night out yeah is that how I you want to acquire yeah. something of value? Possibly not. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, as we as we mentioned, though, let's let's go back to the, some of the charity stuff. Obviously, when when you're working at sea, there's many things, especially during the World Voyage. Um, we have charities that we support, and we aim to raise money for these charities as much as we possibly can. And one of the things that we did this year, which isn't something we do very often, was a children's artwork auction. Um, which we did um, in conjunction with, with my girlfriend Emma and yourself sort of organised it sort of thing. And it, mm -hmm. it was truly amazing. I'll, I'll let you tell us how that event came to be, I think, uh, from when they had a little wander through your gallery. <laughs> <laughs> it all started off uh, because uh, where my gallery is located, it's a wonderful opportunity to walk through. And, and everybody can come and everybody's welcome to see the pieces that we do. And I'm not going to name the artist's work, but there was an artist's artwork that was available to see and, and acquire and talk about. And it was quite naive in technique and lots of bright color. And very, uh, very nicely and very politely, a young lady asked if a member of the youth kids team <laughs> One of the children on board had painted it and I was selling it for them. Um, this was a work of a 20th century master that was worth thousands of pounds. So we all had a bit of a giggle about that. But it was then, a genuine question though. She genuinely wanted to know. She, she wasn't was... being disingenuous no, or any of these all, things. Not she was a wonderful question. And then I think because of the fact that she was so genuine, it led us into an arena of saying, well, you know what? Art is what people consider it to be, and, and you know certain people don't really like certain styles of art, but these children can create wonderful things. And this lovely little girl started to paint pieces and then show them to us in the gallery. She kept coming down on a daily basis and saying, well, I've painted this now, I've painted this. And we were looking at it, me and my consultant, say how wonderful they were. And then we just thought, you know what? This could be a really nice event. And yeah. all of the children ended up getting involved, all of them. We had the best group of kids for the for the for the world voyage that never was um basically <laughs> but we had the most wonderful group of families and things that were on board and all these friends uh, all these kids and stuff um they, they made friends with each other like literally instantly uh, and then after this after this one girl started doing this and they all and then the challenge was set really after that really wasn't it um well I, you know my, my consultant was laughing at me hysterically because i I'm not usually around children and <laughs> I'm I don't necessarily know how to talk to children yeah and so I'm basically standing there just being like oh so where are you from originally stock markets on for a crash <laughs> wouldn't you say uh, <laughs> but, but this, this this one little boy became like my spirit animal 
during that. <laughs> he was so cool. He was so <laughs> lovely. And because we were going to host an auction, we needed an auctioneer. Yeah. And so I asked him if he would be interested in being an auctioneer. And I, what was he, seven, eight? Yeah, so around that sort of mark, yeah. Um, and he already had a tuxedo on board. <laughs> they all did. He came, all, he, yeah. I tell you what, he came to this art auction dress better than me. <laughs> we are hosting which was wonderful. And he stood up there and he was mic'd up with me as well. Yeah. So we both had our little microphones. The Britney Spears mic. And the Britney Spears <laughs> microphone, yeah, it was great for me. Um, that's a childhood dream, it was great. Exactly. Uh, and he had banter. He had comedy timing. Yeah. And he was just like a very short version of me, which yeah. is hard to believe because I'm quite short. But <laughs> he was stood next to me and he got to do the, the, the gavel. He got to do the hammer yeah. every time there was a winning bid. And I've never seen a happier child. No. Like, he I... was relishing this whole experience i he did love it. that though that he he looked at the, what everyone else was doing and everyone so up in the uh, up in the the kids area sort of thing is, is where my girlfriend worked she was looking after them all and they're all painting and all of this sort of stuff and this was the one kid that sort of went you know what i don't fancy painting what i'll do is i'll sell it for you and i'm gonna go over here and do this absolute genius of a man he was <laughs> you know, he hit me up for a commission as well <laughs> <laughs> For a charity event, that's how cold-blooded this man was. Oh, <laughs> but no, but it, was, it, was, it was a wonderful thing to do, and it had such a wonderful turnout. That event and... was hilarious. It was one of the funniest things. The captain even rocked up. So I just remember that the captain rocked up. Dressed, he did. Dressed in his, um, uh, I don't know, Admiral Car Insurance uh, uniform. That he had yeah, well, his... That's better, because I was going to say Captain Pugwash. So I was gonna... like, well, that would be better than mine. Slightly more um... diplomatic. <laughs> but, he, but I, that he was the captain came down. We had um, officers and things all came to visit and everything. Other crew members came to watch it. Um, you had all of the families there and sort of thing. And the, the families got into an actual bidding war with each other and stuff. And I think we we raised a fair amount of money for it. In we the did, end. you know, it was it's, over it's, a couple of grand. Know, if I'm not much it was, mistaken, it was, it, was quite a, it was quite a nice bit. Of, and for a, a charity event, I think it was. It was just something very, very different. And because we were at that period of the voyage where we weren't going to the places we were supposed to be going and there was a level of yeah. disappointment and it was just wonderful to do something that was frivolous for a couple of hours that people got to come and forget about. They were in the beautiful Queen's Room, but just, mm. just embedded in this moment yeah. that they will never forget. These children are not going to forget that moment. No, not at all. At least no. I hope they don't. No, I don't um, think they will. I don't. That, I don't think they'll forget any of that because they 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 had. A, I think they had a better time than most of the other people. To be fair, but they had a well, wonderful time. They got well looked after. <laughs> but yeah, no, that that charity auction was absolutely amazing, sort of thing. Um, right. So I'll, I think we'll we'll finish off then with basically with the, your your favourite time or your most memorable moment. I mean, what was it, is, um, what was it, so good, bad, otherwise it hasn't got to be. You know, what is probably your. Um, so, my my favourite moment actually comes from this um, semi world cruise. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of the diplomatic way to say. It. Um, there was just <laughs> I had the opportunity uh, with a good friend of mine, Mr. Chris Boy, to be asked to co-host an event. Oh uh, yeah, I forgot about you, that. Well, you, how could you forget it? How dare I? Uh, <laughs> and 
if we threw like we threw ourselves into it for, like we only had a couple of days notice and everything like that and there was just a moment when i was doing the dress rehearsal where i was stood on the stage of the theater and i was thinking oh my goodness i am going to be hosting this event with a really good friend of mine with some really talented people on this stage on this vessel yeah. and my mind was blown because if you'd asked me when i first got on a gangway three <laughs> years ago with all my bags yeah. would i be as embedded in my ship's family as to want to stand on stage in front of hundreds of people and host an event and now i look back at it now and it just makes me smile so much i had such a good time with it i mean this event for those of you that, for those of you listening this was this was a crew show um so if um I, i've had the pleasure of hosting a couple of these sort of thing and again it, it's the same for me to be honest i mean when i first came away to sea as a waiter i was an assistant waiter when i came away to sea and never when i when i first took that job never in a million years did i think that i would end up on stage in front of as you said like well the, this, the theater holds up to what 1600 people goodness mm. what else um in front of that many people doing that that wasn't that wasn't the plan when I came away to see it. It was, wasn't. It's something I very much enjoy doing. I, I absolutely love doing it. But it's just, it's amazing how ships can make you do some really random things. I mean, there's so I mean, much I mean, there I was, to do. I, was, I mean, the fact that I was still up there in uh, a feathered headdress is, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Nicking the dancers' props. And <laughs> Dance captain looking at you going, this is amazing, but do not drop that headdress. <laughs> we're all having a wonderful time here but do not drop the headdress <laughs> I, I don't think i'll ever forget like chris Foy dressed as a bellboy just running on stage i don't know why <laughs> that was amazing i've never seen someone happier to put those white gloves on no i know i know Honestly, I will be hopefully. I'll be hopefully. I'll be having an interview with Chris Boy as well. He is. Um, he's one of our voyage sales specialists. So we'll be having a little uh, chat with him a little bit later on, and hopefully we'll have uh, an, another podcast with him as well. Um, well, I think um, that pretty much has been lovely talking to you, Alex. I think we've had some wonderful stories. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> if anybody would like to write any complaints, oh please, yeah, no, that's that's all me. That's Mike. all me. People can that's complain to me all they like, oh, and oh. I'll put it in the usual complaints box. Um, <laughs> but yes, anyway. Now, I, thank you very, very much for joining me and giving us an, a little bit of an insight of what it's like to be an art director on board, as well as sort of um, all the product knowledge and things that you need, and and also a little bit of an insight into the concessionaires as well. I will be looking for some more concessionaires and things to talk to. So other departments like the spa and uh, the shops and things, do not worry. There will be conversations to suit you all as well. But in the meantime, thank you very, very much, Alex. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you very you. much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.